This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to, is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease. Not a, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places – prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Anne and I'm an alcoholic. Hi Anne, welcome to the show. And um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? You've got, have you got family? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, yeah, so I've got a husband and a dog and a cat. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and, yeah, so um, we've been married for over 15 years. Wonderful. And, um, and yeah. how long How long have you been sober? Uh, 26 years. Wow, what a wonderful yeah. milestone. And um, let's talk a little bit about what it was like um, growing up and, and, and what your childhood was like. Okay, so it was a pretty, I guess it was a pretty normal childhood really in the, in the 1960s, around about there. And um, yeah, sort of um, in a nice area in New Zealand. And um, yeah, so I left home around about the age of 17 mm-hmm. and went to live somewhere else yep. and um, did some study and things. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was pretty sort of standard Kiwi sort of um, upbringing in those days. Sure, sure. Mm. And um, so, and you know, uh, so your family, have you got siblings, part yeah. of a big family? Yeah, yeah, so... Um, but there was four of us in the yep. family and uh, two brothers close together mm-hmm. and um, I'm a twin. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, it was cool. And, um, yeah, so we had a big park next door, um, you know, that we could play in. And in those days there wasn't a need too much for supervision. We could get up to all sorts <laughs> of mischief, yep. um, that sort of thing. And um, so it was pretty... Yeah, it was pretty good in that way. It sort of, you know, and I played sports and just um, mm. joined in other things and things. And, and I, I did quite well at school. Sure. You know, I mean, it wasn't a real issue at that time. So, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. So let's talk about then as you um, sort of headed into your teenage years and you said you left home at 17. What was your first experience with alcohol uh, and and drinking? Yeah, so I was in sort of the, a student life, mm-hmm. and I guess in the culture of New Zealand, it was sort of, you know, that real binge drinking sort of culture. Right. And I remember my first experience with drinking quite vividly, because it just it just felt um, quite amazing, and, and, you know, I can sort of remember the feeling that I felt, and um, I thought, oh, this is the answer to everything, <laughs> you know, because... I sort of, you know, at that age, you know, you're living in a different uh, city and you're sort of finding out things and you're still not sure of your identity. Mm, and mm. so it sort of just helped in that way. It gave me the confidence, right. I guess, that I was wanting um, to be able to socialise with people and, and it felt it put me at ease a lot. Sure. Um, yeah, so I thought, oh, great, love this. Excellent, I found what yeah. I need. Yeah. And and so um, so you sort of touched briefly on um, the binge drinking culture. Was that your experience with your drinking? Yes, very much so. From the start? From absolutely the start. It was never, ever to have a drink just to enjoy a social drink. I mean, that was the sort of the, the, the culture of the students, which is... Probably not, you know, and I think that probably still continues. Mm, mm. Um, so it wasn't really in those days, I guess, 
I didn't stand out quite as much, sure. you know, as when I grew older because there was quite a bit of that going around. But I always, you know, drank to a binge level, yep. you know. So if I was drinking, I didn't drink every day, mm-hmm. but it was the weekends and um, and then, you, you know, you went out to have a really, you know, inverted commas, good time sort of thing and you drank until you are you know, quite drunk and, and yep. that's, that was the way it was really. And so as you finished your studies and sort of headed into, I guess, adulthood, um, did that drinking change? No, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, it was still quite binge drinking, but I guess it did change. Yeah, actually, to answer your question, Louise, it did. In terms of I went overseas and I went on my own, mm-hmm. uh, just the way that it worked out, and I was travelling around lots of different places, and I guess I was quite anonymous as well. Mm. And if things got too rough in a certain area, or you know, I, I could pack up and leave and go somewhere else. You <laughs> mm-hmm. know what I mean? So there was there was no real accountability. So so I sort of gave me free reign mm. almost to drink um, as much as I wanted, really. And I would say that that. I became, it was very problematic drinking in the sense that I started drinking every day. Right. Whereas before, <clears throat> as a student, it was like the, the Friday, Saturday night and sometimes the Thursday night and then you sort of had a few days off and then it was back to the binge yep. weekend. But now what I was doing was I was drinking every day. And did you find, like, were you thinking, was there the thought maybe this isn't normal and I could I need to stop or I need to rein it in. Did you ever try? No. No. Not at that stage. I mean, I saw alcohol as my friend and my ally. Right. I mean, it was quite hard travelling on my own. There was some mm-hmm. stuff that was quite difficult to deal with. Even when I remember one time I was looking after, I looked after old ladies in their homes mm-hmm. and um, I got one night off. Um, wow. a, over the month and so I thought oh well I'll make the most of it so I went out and partied and unfortunately I missed the bus back and <laughs> and then I slept down until about 10 o'clock and I was meant to be at, there at 8 o'clock and of course it was the one night that this poor old lady had a fall oh, I mean she'd never had a fall before that the whole time I was looking after her I felt absolutely dreadful about it it was just really awful sort of I mean I lost my job with that company but the lady wanted me to stay on because she liked me. So I stayed on and finished the contract. But I didn't have other contracts to come back to after I, right. I um, went on my travel. So it was really made life difficult. I, even that, didn't actually no. bring me to the realisation there's something wrong with my drinking, that this is, because that's not the person I was. Um, that I would miss an appointment like that, or you know, or you know, put somebody at risk like that, for example. Yeah. But I, I think probably Louise, I knew deep down. Sure. But I really wasn't in a place at that point in my life to admit it because I was scared to live without alcohol because it, it was actually it. Ha- I remember thinking vividly, this helps me get through the rough times. Mm. It doesn't matter what happened. I can always have a drink and. and Blotted out. Yep, yeah. and th- and that's exactly it, right? To use it as that that coping mechanism. Yeah. So you've mentioned that there was, you know, there was consequences in your employment. Um, what about your relationships with other people? Yeah, I'm sure there were consequences too. Um, 
I went up to Scotland for a while, and that was really in, in the Highlands, and mm. that was really a um, very heavy drinking culture that mm-hmm. I was in. Um, it was in the hospitality mm-hmm. um, industry, and you would finish your shift, it would be about a 10-hour shift, and then you, everyone just went straight to the pub, and that's just what, what you everybody did. did. <laughs> you know, so... So that didn't cause me to question it either. Now, that's when my health was starting to um, – started to have an effect on my physical health. Right. In terms I was really exhausted all the time, and I was losing quite a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was probably too because I was on my feet all day. Mm-hmm. But, but um, yeah, I went to the doctor, and I had the I had what you call the DTs too in the morning wow. so that I would find it really hard to um, – to carry, you know, glasses and things like that until I might have had, a, you know, a bit of a drink. So, and I sort of just ignored that. I yeah. just sort of thought, oh, that'll just, because that was sort of normal in that environment. Shoot. People just used to make fun of that and just go, oh, you'll need a, you'll need a dram, they'd say, or something like that. And so it just wasn't, it wasn't deemed that unusual. Right. And so um, I just thought, oh, well, everybody's doing that. And so, you know, this is my overseas experience experience get it all out of my system sort of thing so I didn't even then it yeah. didn't really cause too much concern for me so what was it then and that you made you decide or what we often um, describe in AA as our rock bottom and what what was it that brought you into recovery okay so I had quite a sort of professional job after I got back to New Zealand and that was my drinking was having an impact and it was getting noticed. Right. And so that was embarrassing for mm-hmm. me. Um, but also then I started to move into circles of people that were not well, you know, it's either through mental health, mm-hmm. drinking or drugs. And, uh, you know, quite a few of them, you know, had died or gone into institutions and things like that. And so I started to see a pattern and then I wasn't happy, you know, mm. the alcohol that had become my friend mm. Um, really no longer served me anymore. Mm. It just was just really boring. And um, it just, my life was horrible, you know, because it revolved around alcohol. And that was my main um, thought. You know, I get through the day at work and so I can have a drink after work and that was it pretty much. And and the whole weekend by that stage. And so I sort of got to what alcoholics call a sort of a jumping off place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it's a really uh, sort of scary place to be and you're at a sort of a precipice. Mm -hmm. You know, you you, you really hate your life drinking, but then you're really, really scared to have, you know, this not drinking. You know, you can't imagine yourself being able to do it. Um, And so I sort of... Um, after a bit of a stint in hospital, I decided, right, this I have to make a decision to try and um, do something about this. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I, cont- I contacted um, AA at the time. Um, I didn't know a lot about it, mm. um, but I just felt that it was something that might be able to help me. Although I did go to the A&D centre first. Right, okay. And they said I could drink socially. Okay. So I thought, oh, yeah, give that a go. Give that a go. But <laughs> <laughs> of course, that didn't How did that me. go? Yeah, no, yeah. Not too well, not too well. <laughs> I could, and, and when I think about it, I never drank socially. No. 
So what's what's all of a sudden going to make me turn around and drink socially mm, now? Mm. I mean, it's just l- ludicrous, really. Yeah. And of course, you know, I mean, I only gave half truths to the guy anyway, the counsellor. So. Of course. And so when you rang the 0800 number or you rang the, the AIA number at the time, what what happened? So I had a person that answered the phone and she... She was really great. She really was empathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, she understood. And for the first time, I felt like somebody understood where I was coming from. They they heard what I was going through and listened, and she really uh, got the sense that here's someone that knows exactly what I'm saying because, I, you know, you can't really talk about that with other people. And so that gave me a, um, a sense of encouragement if you like right. and sense of hope probably more than anything wow and did and so so then when you went to your first meeting you know did she take you to your first meeting yes, she did yep yep um, what was, was that like, like? <laughs> it was amazing i remember it on wow. the, yeah i actually really enjoyed it i felt it was a bit culty um <laughs> you know because like they had all these sayings and stuff like that and it was all a bit interesting but i i've always been a person that has challenged everything and question why why and all that sort of stuff and for some reason I thought you know you're just gonna have to shut up and listen and and I don't know why I sort of decided to take that approach because it's not within my nature but what I do remember is that everyone seemed so happy (laughs) and they were joking and laughing with each other and I just thought, I want to I wanna have that. Wow. I want to be like that. And I never thought, you see, because that I could be happy without alcohol. And when I saw these people and I knew that they'd had similar journeys to me because I heard them, mm. I thought, and they seemed so together, I just thought, that's what I, that's what I have to have. And I will do what they tell me to do if that's what I get yeah. out of it. What a wonderful experience. And mm. and so, um, you know, talk, talk to me about um, some of the tools that we talk about in the program, such as sponsorship. How's, has that been important for you? Yeah, it has. So I've um, been really fortunate and I've had the same sponsor for the 26 years. Wow, that's yeah. wonderful. <clears throat> um, and we have gone through all sorts of journeys together in terms of it's a person that really you connect with that, that supports you in your recovery. But also at the times of recovery when life is not easy mm. um, and that, and and it becomes really difficult and there's certain things in life. I mean, you've got to accept life on life's terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's not always, you know, um, easy. So it's during those stages that instead of turning to alcohol as a coping mechanism, you've got someone that you can call. I mean, the fact that with the sponsorship, I remember one time and I was going through a bit of a, um, bit of a tricky time and I was with my husband and I've rung up my sponsor and it was about 10 o'clock at night and um, she, I said I'm just going around to see my sponsor and he said well you can't go around now it's 10 o'clock at night and I said well no I can she's asked me to come around and it's sort of that relationship that you yeah. have that if somebody needs you you have that connection yeah. and you know how important that is and so it's a it's a wonderful experience yeah. and connection and support network. And and just on that support network, I guess, you know, the, the big thing with sponsorship and, and what we call the fellowship is you don't have to do it alone. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what AA is about too yeah. in terms of when you're going to the meetings, that you hear stories um, that are so similar to you. I mean, you know, obviously some experiences are more similar than others, but it's that common 
um, understanding mm-hmm. and connection around what it's like to be an alcoholic, what it's like to go through that and not be able to stop drinking. And um, it gives you hope um, that there is a different way to live your mm. life. And so it takes away that isolation. I mm. remember when I was first um, realised that actually I had a real problem with drinking mm. and that, that sort of comes crashing down, I felt so alone mm. and so isolated. And I sort of felt like this sort of freak that was walking around that, mm. you know, that other people are not like that. And, and yeah, and that was really hard. And also because quite often you're rejected by your friends by the mm. time you get into recovery mm-hmm. because of your behaviour that's associated with, you know, alcoholism. And yep. it's not pretty. Um, so you need more than ever mm. people that you can connect with and that's what it provides for you. Yeah. And so we often talk about AA being a spiritual program, not a religious program. What yep. does that look like for you? Yeah, so I got I grew up in a religious um, context, um, pretty religious church every week and everything. And I really wasn't really into the religion thing, and I and I and still not really. But what I am um, into is a spirituality, peace, and calmness, mm. um, and appreciating. Um, Life, you know, all the things that life has got to offer. I can go out and appreciate a nice sunny day or a sunset mm-hmm. or a beach walk or something like that. So it's it shows you um, a different way of appreciating life, and that's a spiritual um, sense for me. But also, whilst I may reject religion, it doesn't mean to say that I reject the whole idea of something greater than myself, mm. and I accept that. But it means that my ego is suspended a little bit and that I don't have all the answers. And that's the beautiful thing with the program is, is a, you know, a power greater than ourselves yeah. that, that, that is our own conception. Yeah. Um, Anne, what would you recommend for someone who thinks they might have a problem? What are some of the things they could ask themselves to help them decide? Yeah, okay. So that's a really good question. I think that the one of the things is that is alcohol interfering in your daily life? Mm. Has it taken too much precedence over other things? Are you putting other things that you should pro- prioritise maybe on, mm. on hold? So that's the first question. Is it also intruding in things that you actually need to do? Like, um, you know, if you've got children, are there things that you possibly feel a little bit, oh, I should have been doing that Mm. a bit better or I should be um, a little bit more tolerant because it does affect your um, mood and behaviour? Things like jobs, you know, is it impacting on your job, employment performance, or are people noticing, Mm. you know? So it it just... um, Starts off sort of like you know the light questions, but then it's sort of, it you know it, as as it progresses, as you've mentioned, um, then it starts to impact you more. Is it affecting your health? Mm. Um, that's a good question that you could ask yourself, mm. and, and in what way? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Anne, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. 
You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, like we said, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. Thank you.